to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to preach different, something different than I planned on preaching. I thought I would go ahead and finish out the, or at least continue on on the uh, deal on Satan this morning. But I feel like the Lord gave me a different direction and I think I even know the purpose. But we're going to preach on something tonight that I just kind of there's just a lot of sweet nuggets in the Bible, blessings in the Bible. Read the Bible as a blessing to you. And uh, I'm gonna, tonight we're going to preach on, I'm going to preach on Joseph, uh, Mary's husband. Uh, I put on Facebook about 530 that Joseph to me is one of the most unappreciated, unknown uh, men in the Bible. And yet he's one of the greatest men in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about Joseph, but boy, what it says, man better get a hold of it. And he was a great man as far as I'm concerned. In fact, one of the, probably one of the greatest studies of biblical manhood that there is. How many would agree tonight we need to return to biblical manhood in this nation? Boy, I tell you, I'm sick and tired of this wimpy, satanic, sick deal that's happening. And uh, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm, I appreciate manhood. And the Bible will teach you to be a biblical man if you'll adhere to it. Well, when we get to Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18... You have went through the situation where uh, uh, it gives the genealogy there of uh, Christ. And when it gets on verse number 18, it begins this way. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Now, we're going to get and we should get our, all of what we know about the birth of Christ and uh, so forth from the Bible, not from theologians, Amen. not from scholars. In fact, I found out the day that the Bible has something to say about scholars and it ain't good. I never saw that before till today, but it, that word is in the Bible. But anyway, it said it was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. You need to underline that phrase, put her away privily. Put her away privily. That means, you might say privately. But while he thought on these things, and you know, a man ought to think on things. Somebody said, you ought to think about things before you speak and before you act. Think on it. But he thought on these things, and behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David. That's important. Fear not to take unto Mary thy wife. Now why in the world would he say, fear not to take her as a wife? There's a reason for that, for that young man to have some fearfulness in his heart about doing that. And uh, he said, uh, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall uh, have a social network club to help make people better. Let me tell you why Jesus came. He came to save us from our sins. He didn't come to make it a, a better place to live and all that stuff, although it does. The Word of God does that. But he, the reason he came was to save us from our sins, Amen. not to make us rich, powerful, and all that junk. He came to save Reg Kelly from his sins because that's what I needed worst of, of anything. Now, verse 22 says, And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, and that prophet is Isaiah, and it's going to quote over there in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. That, this, this whole passage of scripture tells you a lot about Jesus Christ. Uh, he's virgin born, he's God in the flesh, tells you all kinds of doctrinal statements in here. 
Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not. Now I want you to pay attention here. Knew her not. I mean, they were not intimate uh, till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Now you remember back in verse 21, that's what the angel said his name would be. And Joseph did exactly that. Lord, help us to preach tonight in the way of the glorify of the Lord Jesus Christ to help us all and strengthen us in the faith and build us up in the most holy faith. And I pray God tonight that it might help us as people in the battle between our flesh and our spirit. Lord, I pray it might help some young person here tonight to realize that they need to be strong in spirit and their spirit needs to be way stronger than their flesh. And God, I pray tonight that it would just help somebody, Lord, in making decisions and situations that come facing them, temptations and trials of life. And God, bless this to your holy name and these people and all that hear, I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Now, uh, I'll tell you what I want you to envision for just a little bit. There's a young man who maybe he's working on a new house somewhere, or maybe he's doing a, a, a remodel job. And, uh, and anyway, he's got some friends and some buddies. And uh, he tells them, I'll meet you down at the market when I get off work today. And he meets a couple of his friends down there by the market, maybe a place where they can get us something to eat in some place there in Jerusalem, or not in Jerusalem, but in, in uh, Nazareth. And uh, he gets down there and one of his buddies says, uh, uh, Joseph, come over here, I want to talk to you, and pulls him aside. He says, you know about Mary? <laughs> what do you mean, what about Mary? Joseph, don't you, do you, do you know what's up? You know what's out? What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about Mary for? What's, what's she got to do with this? Joseph, Mary's expecting. The guy you're supposed to, you're going to be marrying? She's expecting. Now, the question I want to ask you tonight is this. If you were a young man and you were a spouse. Now, a spouse is a deeper commitment than what we call engagement. And a spousal was an agreement between all the parties. Now, I want to remind you of something. Don't you girls and boys ever let anybody tell you that there were forced marriages in the Bible. That is not true. Not from God there wasn't. When, when God sent the, the uh, servant of Abraham's after a bride for Isaac, they asked that girl if she wanted to go. She didn't have to go. And every girl in here, you have full right to accept or reject a proposal from a young man. And I don't care if your daddy thinks he's Santa Claus. All right? I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not negating the counsel of your dad and your mom at all. But there's some, God, I'm just going to dissipate with that because there's some people that's hit me up and kind of throw some stuff at me at that. Well, you know, you guys believe in, in uh, arranged marriage and stuff. I, I, I don't believe in that. But I will tell you this, that God's biblical way is that parents are to be in agreement Amen. about it. And if your parents aren't in agreement about it, you ought to shore back up and wonder why. And y'all think there must be something dad knows or something dad feels or senses that, you know, is, is, you know, you ought to at least respect that. When the Bible says, honor thy father, thy mother, one of the greatest areas to honor your father or your mother is in, their, is, is in that time when you're deciding who you're going to marry. Right. And I can tell you right now, I, I don't know any, I've never, I haven't, maybe, maybe I haven't met them, but I don't know parents that aren't, they want their children to be married and be happy and have a family. 
Amen. You know, not that marriage is going to make you happy. <laughs> but, <laughs> come on, okay. But let's get that out of the way. Espousal was an arrangement in agreement between two families and agreement between those parties that they would be married someday. And the young man in espousal involved a dowry. And I tell you what, I wish dowries was back in the deal. <laughs> Keep few girls from marrying some old boy that don't know how to make a living. And it also make men out of boys before they get to be 21. They wouldn't be messing around buying junk. They'd be laying up money to pay the dowry. Besides that, if you had girls, you'd be rich by the time the last one got married. But anyway, <laughs> in my book, I talk about it. This uh, girl's going to get married, and they and talk about he, the dad was kidding him, and he wanted. He said, well, what, do you, "What do you mean a dowry?" And he says, "Well, that's what you're going to pay for the wife." And he said, "Well, what do you want?" And he said, "I want ten Hereford cows, or however many Hereford cows." He wanted cattle. He wanted cattle, but they had a dowry, and it was an agreement. And by the way, and here's the deal: it was legally, it was a legally binding situation. It was it was everything but the consummation of the marriage, right. and and they were bound to one another in a covenant agreement that they had all agreed to, to be husband and wife. And with that agreement were commitments, and that those commitments was to keep ourselves pure for each other in marriage. Now I know that America doesn't put much stock or much value in virginity, but God does. God does, and I and 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 I. I would encourage you to uh, uh, to talk to your ki- children and discuss this with your children in a in a in a, in a biblical and way and manner and and place. We need to put value back on morality. But anyway, uh, so I want you just to imagine that they tell Joseph that guy you're going to marry, Mary, she's expecting a baby. What's been going on, Joseph? You've been putting on the holy dog like you're, you know, like you guys are. And Joseph says, "Wait a minute, you, you're way off base. Me and her ain't been together. Well, she's expecting. So, little Joe boy, who do you think's been messing with your girl? And who do you think she's been messing with? Now, you can say what you want to about this. The Bible doesn't say this, but I'm telling you something. There's a statement there: the fear not to take her." And if you had been him and found this up, because if you go in to, here's how, here's how I know that there was, that there was a, a Joseph, the angel didn't come to Joseph at the same time. The angel came to, to Mary. When it comes down to verse number 19, it says, then Joseph, her husband being a just man, this is how I know that Joseph did not know what was going on about the angel. He knew nothing of all this stuff between her and, and the angel and the Lord and the Holy Ghost and all of it. Being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, minded to put her away privily. You know what that means? That was, that was the Mosaic law about divorce. And this is where Jesus dealt with it in the New Testament. So we're going to look at some scriptures tonight about this. Now you just keep in mind something. Listen, uh, thank God. This is why Christ came to die for our sins. Jesus said, if you look upon a woman with lust in her heart, you've committed adultery already with her. So don't get high and holy with me, okay? All right, just don't get high and holy with me. But here's the biblical facts about this subject. So I want you to take your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 22. And if you'll put this up there, guys. Deuteronomy chapter 22. I want to show you what 
Now keep, keep Matthew chapter 1 open and keep in mind what he said he was going to do. Now I want to show you a man of godly, godly, deep, godly character. Here's what he could have done in chapter 22 and verse number 13. And we'll begin reading. If any man take a wife and go into her and hate her and give occasion to speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found her not a maid. That means that she was not a virgin, that she had been with a man before they got married. Okay. There's a lot of things going through my mind right now, but you might want to do a word study on maid in the Bible. Job said, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then I should I think upon a maid? He had already had 10 children. They were grown. God knows the human heart. God knows the human mind. And um, I want to go there, but there's something to think about. Verse 15, then shall the father of the damsel. Okay, this man married her. Then he accuses her of lying to him about her purity before marriage. Okay. And in doing so, he makes it public. Then shall the father of the damsel and the mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity into the elders of the city of the gate. This thing becomes a public situation at the gate of the city before the elders, which are basically the judges of a situation. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife and he hateth her. And lo, he hath given occasion of speech against her, saying, I found not thy daughter to be a maid. Now, this was an accusation that he could justify putting her away or divorcing her, getting rid of her. Okay, he was trying to justify what he's wanting to do. And yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. And if you study uh, Mid-Eastern history and the cultural history of that time, there was a cloth that was, was, was given to the married couple and it was to be proof of her virginity of the night of their marriage. And that was given back to, the, to the, uh, uh, the bride's parents and they were to keep that as a evidence that they did not lie and it was like they said it was. Okay, Now, so they spread this cloth before the elders of the city. And so they make a judgment. And the elders of the city shall take that man and, and, and chastise him. So here's what happened. The, the, the parents brought this, uh, spread the cloth out, and they said, here's the proof she was a virgin. All right? The elders of the city shall take that man and chastise him. Why would they chastise that man? He lied on that woman. He made her out to be immoral, and she was not. Very vicious. And to the extent that he wanted to put her away and wreck and ruin her life. Serious thing. You're not just messing around. You're hurting people by your lying ways. All right. Verse number 19. And they shall immerse him in 100 shekels of silver. So they chastise him. He has to pay 100 shekels of silver and give them to the father of the damsel. That'll teach your boy to be lie, right? Okay. Because he hath brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel. And she, watch this, she shall be his wife. And he may not do what? Put her away. What did the Bible say that, that Joseph thought about doing? Put her away. Put her away but how? Privately, privately. Now, there's, this is very, very important, especially when it moves from Old Testament law to New Testament grace. Now, but at verse 20, watch this. But... If this thing be true, 
and the tokens of virginity be not found for the damsel, then shall they bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of, this, of her city shall stone her with stones that she die, because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house. So shalt thou put evil away from among them. That is the basis upon which Joseph made the statement in Matthew chapter 1 when Mary was found to be conceived with, with, with child. It tells you and I in Matthew chapter 1 that he did not know what God had done with his espoused uh, to be wife. He heard somehow or another, and I just kind of made a dramatization of it. I don't know how it happened, but he found out this girl's expecting. Things are not like I thought it was. And I asked the question on Facebook a while ago. If you were a young man and you were engaged to be married and the wedding day was approaching and you found out that the girl's pregnant and you know it cannot be you, what would you do? What would you do? There's a lot of stuff in here tonight, and I know this may be a little touchy for you, but I tell you, it needs to be preached. It's in the Bible. I'm strict. I am preaching the Bible, okay? So I'm back up from it. I want you to take your Bible now to Deuter- flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 24, and we're going to lay a foundation for something that goes on here. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse number one. Moses, how many remembers whenever Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees about divorce, he said, Moses did that. What reason did Moses give them? A hardness of their heart. Hmm. But he went, then Jesus did something. He went back and said, but from the beginning, it was not so. Now, I want to tell you something. Deuteronomy 22 is before Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy 24 plays off of Deuteronomy 22. When a man hath taken a wife and married her and it come to pass that she shall find no favor in his eyes because he hath found somewhat uncleanness in her. And uncleanness, fornication in the New Testament is considered to be uncleanness. Okay? So you're still in the same ballpark. You're still in the same field of of rightly dividing the word truth. Have found something clean. Let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house. Now it goes ahead and gives some other regulations here. When she has departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. <coughs> he puts her away <coughs> for uncleanness. And, and Moses give this here, says you, she, he, she can be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her and write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, that's her second husband, her former husband, her first husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled. For that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for inheritance. I'm telling you something right now. You can't pastor, preach, or live in this world because, I mean, there are so many things that comes into divorce. It's just amazing. And, and I have learned, I don't, I don't like to talk to one mate ever. Uh, I actually had a situation here a while back, and I told Karen I should not have done that. I should, I made, should have made sure they were both here. The reason being is that you hear it from their angle, and you hear things from their angle that they might not say if the other spouse was there, okay? But nonetheless... There's a lot of things. I'm not in any way justifying divorce. God's against it. God says it's sin. Okay. But I will tell you this. There's a lot of things goes on you don't know. And be careful what you say you would or wouldn't do. 
and a lot of and, and 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 there is such a thing as the as I, I know about it. I know several different cases I've had to deal with in pastoral help where the person uh, was being filed divorce on. They didn't want a divorce, but they couldn't stop it. Missouri has a no fault divorce law. That means they don't have to have any reason in the world to divorce you. Okay. And so you're, you sit there. I know, I know people that have pled with the judge to not grant a divorce and the judge go right ahead and grant it. Says too bad. They want it. I'm giving it out of here. What are you going to do with that person? They're divorced. They did everything. They, I mean, I know people who did everything you can imagine to keep their marriage together and, all the way to the, to the decree of the judge. And they still granted it. So be careful about condemning people who've been through a divorce because sometimes they got it and they never wanted it. But it happened to them. Okay. Now, if somebody is initiating it and it's just meanness and stuff, that's the whole other world. You're seeing all that stuff. But it's pretty dicey. And I've learned to, you know what? I want to hear the whole situation. I want to make sure I know all the facts. Okay. Before, you know, I decide about whether something's, you know, whatever. But uh, it gives some regulation. Now, go to uh, Matthew chapter 5. So we're going to go all the way through this and we're going to come back to Joseph. But this is one reason this needs, this needs to be preached in America. <clears throat> Whenever, after about five to seven years of pastoring, God really put on my heart to try to have a ministry of rebuilding biblical-based foundations in our congregation. And what that meant was, uh, I have normally pastored a church that has, most of the time in the history of this church, probably 50% of the couples in this church had been through divorces. And you know what? This is weird. They, they usually, I was just going to tell you something, they're usually more humble. They're usually more broken. They're usually more honest about their sin. They're usually more willing to serve without any acknowledgement. They're willing to, I'm, I'm just telling you now, this is fact. This is not what, what. This is Reggie's experience. And, um, but here was how the Lord dealt with me from Scripture I'm not worried so much worried about where you're at right now as where we're going to go in the future. And when I talk about rebuilding, I'm talking about re rebuilding the foundations of many generations. I don't think that I, I, I don't know many parents who say, man, I went through a divorce. I sure hope all my kids do. I think most parents I know say, you know, I've been through one and I'm under the mercy of God and God's forgiven me and God has restored my life. He's restored the years of the locust state, but I don't want my children to go through this. So I want to try to build a faith based life in them that might help prevent this from happening to them. OK, so now you can think I'm compromising or soft. You think what you want to. I really don't care. I've been at this a long time. I know where I'm at on it. There's a balance of truth and mercy that has to be involved in this situation. Or you cannot minister to nobody. You can just throw people out if you want to and say, ah, you know, that don't work. If, 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 if that works, then we're all sunk. I'll just tell you, we're all gone. We're, none of us have any hope. And if you've not been through divorce, you ought to say that right now. You ought to look up toward heaven and say, God, I just thank you for your grace and mercy in my life. You ought to just say it right now because, buddy, I want to tell you something. You say it can't be me. It could be you next week and you don't even know what I have seen. I have preached revivals and seen people on the altar and get up and testify how that they, they were about ready to leave their spouse and thought they got everything right. And two weeks later, they left them. 
Now, <laughs> anyway, Matthew chapter 5. Now you all smile. Stay in with me, all right? Stay in with me. Matthew chapter 5. Let's go to verse 31. Matthew chapter 31. Now I'm going to tell you right now, the, the only person that has a right to interpret the Old Testament is Jesus Christ. I don't have a right to interpret the Bible, and you don't have a right to interpret the Bible. We're to associate Scripture. We're to rightly divide it. But Jesus has a right, because He's the Word, to, to tell you what that meant and, and, and explain it and bring it out, it, it, what it means. So He says there in verse number 31, it hath been said, Matthew chapter 5, whosoever shall put, there's this there, put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. Now notice something all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. He will say, it hath been said, but I say unto you. It hath been said, but I say unto you. Well, who was saying all this stuff? The scribes and the Pharisees and the theologians of their day. And they were coming up with all kinds of excuses to disobey the word of God. All right. And that's what, so he was straightened up. This was his first message and he blew them so out of the water. They never came down for about three years. He had a messed up royally. Anyway, he said that, he said, whosoever shall put, it hath been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a right in divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. And then he goes into oaths and vows which marriage involves. You don't take this stuff lightly. All right, now, so what do we got here? Now I'm going to tell you what your theologians and your scholars will tell you. Jesus said, this is called in, in church talk the exception clause. Okay, that's what it's normally called. And they'll change the word fornication to adultery. And they will say, because my wife or my husband committed adultery on me, I have a biblical right to divorce. And that's not true. It says fornication and it means fornication. Now, adultery is a huge word. Its primary meaning is to be unfaithful to your spouse that you committed to be faithful to. You adulterized the marriage covenant. Okay, that's its base thing. Adultery and its wider meaning can be anything that perverts the moral standard of Almighty God. Let me do this here. And, 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 uh, some of you probably came and I said, I hope Reggie does a five-minute sermon. I'm sorry. I, I, I ain't got a five-minute sermon for you tonight. And this is going online. And there will be people who get this right here. If this box is God's moral standard, okay, in the Bible... In the Word of God, anything outside that is adultery. Anything. You adulterized or poisoned or violated the moral standard of God. Primarily, when you and I speak of adultery and when the Bible speaks of it, it's talking about illicit immoral relationships with someone that you're not married to. That's the primary base definition. But it has in the Bible a much wider definition in the sense that to be a sodomite is a, is, is a form of adultery. Pornography, you go on and on, there's all kinds of things that adulterizes God's moral standard. All right, one of the things that violates God's moral standard is it's a form of adultery called specifically fornication. Okay? Fornication also is a big word. It has to do with moral impurity. 
it can be in various ways, but it's specific again and it's foundational is, is uh, sexual activity before marriage, whereas adultery is after marriage. That's how you distinguish these two things. And the Bible's very specific. If somebody, some preacher tells you, well, that just means adultery. Well, then why didn't God say adultery? He says it where he wants to. I'm just honest with you now. What I'm teaching right here, I have probably 90% of the preachers in Missouri disagree with me on this. And there's a reason they disagree with me. Because they they want a way out. Jesus said, "Here's, here's how I know that the Holy Ghost is exactly right. Because back in the Old Testament, what was the sin that the girl had committed if she had, if she was not, what was the sin she would have committed? Fornication. That's the only thing. Jesus says it right here. It hath been said, whoso put away his lie, let him give him a right and divorce it. He said, that's what you all said. But I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of Deuteronomy 22 and verses 13 through 19. Because the law said that he could, see they were considered legally bound, espoused. You and I don't talk in this language now in American culture, but it's just the truth. They were considered as already married, but not consummated. They came together. She wasn't a virgin. He could put her away. Divorce. That's what, that's the terminology that God used, put her away. Okay. That's why Jesus said that. Why why did he say that? Because they had, go to Matthew chapter 19. Go to Matthew chapter 19. The average church member in America is looking for a loophole to sin. Keep that in mind. The average person that professes Jesus Christ is always looking for a scriptural loophole to do what they want to do anyway. And they're always walking right close to the edge when they ought to be walking three feet back. Matthew chapter 19, verse number three. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put his way his wife for every cause? She didn't cook the biscuits, right? (laughs) Well, that ought to tell you something about what these rascals were up to. They were looking for any reason to get rid of her. When most of the time, the reason wasn't that she didn't make the biscuits right. They saw another woman. That's the raw truth about this bunch. It wasn't that she didn't wash their clothes right. They were wanting another woman. They were full of lust. Verse four, he answered and said to them, have you not read? That he which made them from the beginning made them male and female. That does away with transgenderism right there. Male and female. Get that down. This whole whole nine yards garbage out of hell is a lie. God created male and female. By the way, he said she'll bring forth a son. Amen. 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 That's right. Yeah, I better get, I wound up too much up here. At the beginning made them male and female. And said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother, shall cleave to his wife. By the way, that word cleave is the same deal that you get when you put plywood together. Now you can take a single piece of wood and split it pretty easy. But you can, you can take a, a split maul to a piece of plywood that's been cleaved together. And you know what you're going to have? A mess. Right. 
And that's what happens when the devil tries to cleave and people try to cleave a marriage. They got a mess on their hands. Thank God for his mercy and his grace. Amen. And they twain shall be one flesh. That's Genesis 2.24. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not the judge put asunder. <laughs> or the court. Let not man put asunder. No judge in America or on the face of this earth has the legitimate right to divorce anybody. Amen. I, I never will forget one time we was having uh, Authority Sunday here and we invited all the offices of people that was a, in, all the people that were in political offices in, in Wright County and surrounding counties and policemen and mayors and judges and everybody and some bunch of them came and uh, a judge was here and I don't know how I got to preach it on this but I said I think a judge ought to, when somebody comes wants to get a divorce said y'all said well I'll tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to put you all back there in an 8 by 8 cell all by yourselves until you decide you can get along good Boy, he, he jumped and snorted. <laughs> he told me later, he said, boy, I said, I don't know. About, can I tell you something? Some of you think you can't get along, but you could if you had to. Yeah. About three weeks in that eight by eight sale together. Honey, what do you think? Well, just tell the judge we, we don't want one. Yeah. Say amen right there. Come on. Yeah. That's exactly right. You can get along if you want to. <laughs> but I never will forget, man. He jerked. He, he's like, I thought, y'all try that? He said, I don't think I'd get by with it. <laughs> Can you imagine a judge, a couple coming up for a judge and him saying, mm, okay, y'all want to get divorced? Yeah, what do you want to do? All right, tell you what I'm going to do. Just, just to make sure you do, I'm, I'm going to put you back here in the cell together for three, for three months. Yeah. And if y'all can't get it worked out by three months in that little eight bait cell. Can I tell you something? It ain't hard to, it ain't hard to get it out of drug dealers. You take them over to Hartville, strap them to a tree, jerk shirt off their back and take a whip them like the Bible said and whip stripes on them, uh, 99 stripes in the back of a drug dealer. He ain't going to want to see it, smell it, much less touch it and sell it. Right. Yeah. It's stuff ain't hard to figure out. Right. Yeah. These rapists yeah. who say they can't control themselves, yeah. it ain't hard to break them of that. They're not near as addicted to pornography as they think they are. Right. You give them 90 stripes on the back and lay their back open, I'll tell you what, and leave them slumped on the ground with blood, they're going to take a long time before they decide they're going to rape another woman. Yeah, right. You take a boy, you want to break people of robbing and stealing, the, uh, 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 what's that stuff they're stealing out of cars, brother? Yeah. Huh? Catalytic. catalytic converters. I can break a guy from stealing catalytic converters, 30 stripes, and he'll be out of the catalytic converter stealing business. We're stupid in America. Yeah. We're stupid. You say, oh, they need to be sent to pen. No, they don't. That's unbiblical. Amen. Jail houses are biblical. Penitentiaries are not. Right. You whoop them, you fine them, or you kill them. Amen. Those are the three. Real simple justice system works every time. Anyway, it's just that we got a lot of little mommies that don't, want, don't think their boys are criminal. Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Anyway, verse, man, I get off on these rabbit trails. Verse number seven. They say unto him, so he gives them what the Bible said back there. They say unto him, these scribes, why didn't, boy, I mean, they had him now. Why didn't Moses? Now, where's, Mo, where's this Moses at? You just read it. Well, Deuteronomy 24 is where they're taking it. So I'm going to ask you a question. Who do you think's right about what Moses said, Jesus or the scribes? Jesus, Jesus is always right. They say unto him, why did Moses then give a commandment? What, give a command. I'm going to tell you, for that was the first lie they told. Moses never commanded them to leave anybody, to divorce anybody. No. 
He, you read it. He didn't come. I'm commanding you. That wife, you don't like the way she's cooking. I'm commanding you to get rid of her. That's a lie. They just lying. He never commanded nobody to give a writing of divorce and put her away. And he saith unto Moses, because the hardness of your heart suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, now there it is, I say unto you, not what ye have heard. I say, whoso shall put away his wife except to be for what? Fornication. And shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her which is put away, there's that phrase, doth commit adultery. Now these things are in place. Why would God, some, you, so you may be sitting there thinking, man, that's pretty harsh. God's pretty tough. Why would God, why would Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who died for us to keep us out of hell and give us eternal life, why would he say such things? Because he wants to save us from the destructiveness of the nuclear family. I'm going to tell you something now. Everybody hang on to your hat. Don't get mad at me. We're in such sorry condition and such unbiblical condition that now single parenthood is almost exalted. When did we get to where we exalt single parenthood? They're playing on unbalanced mercy. I'm not saying you shouldn't have mercy. But I don't think we ought to exalt it and act like there's some kind of hero. I don't think we ought to go out and say, oh, he's a hero. He had three illegitimate children out there and he sends them a check every once in a while. I don't think that's a hero. I don't think some guy who just went running around, you know, just throwing herself around here and there and having babies that everybody else is paying for is a hero. Sorry if that offends you. Too bad. Find you another church, another preacher that'll tickle your ears. You girls, listen to me. You're not a hero because you got pregnant and started raising your own kid by yourself. Now, I think you should, and I'd applaud you for what, for what you do, and I'm not trying to be rough or mean. But I'm going to tell you one thing you better do. If you'll do it God's way, you won't have that problem to have start with. I can tell you right now, we have a girl in this church gets pregnant and has a baby. There will be nobody love her more than I will in this church. And I've had to deal with it, and I have. And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to help her. I'm going to be a blessing to her. I'm not going to throw her out. I'm not throwing her out the woods. We're going to love her if she has a repentant attitude. But she comes in here cocky and arrogant and throwing around the other girls. You ought to go have one like I got. Ain't he cute? Uh-uh. Right. Uh-uh. Y'all didn't know Christmas Eve going to be so sweet, did you hear? This good stuff, amen. This Bible stuff. We need to get it right. God is God created the nuclear home. Man, woman, male, female, get married, have a family. Those children need moms and dads. That's right. They need both of them. God knows that. Does God have mercy? Is God merciful? Does God work with our, our sin, our mistakes, our failures? Yes, he does. But isn't it better? Isn't prevention better than cure? That's what God's trying to say. So Jesus then comes again and says, except for fornication. All right. Now, I want you to go finally but to, to Malachi. The, just flip back three or four pages or a few pages in Matthew there to Malachi, which is the last, chapter, last book in the Old Testament. And remember something at this point. The nation is in a mess and they're gone into captivity. Well, I wonder why they went into captivity. Because they said, God doesn't tell us how to live. And we're not going to live according to the word of God. And God says, all right, I'll send a curse and judgment upon you. 
So here they come. Matthew chapter, Malachi chapter two. And I want you to pick it up at verse number uh, 10. Everybody there say amen. amen. Have we not all one father? They're, he's talking about uh, in the sense of God creating the nation of Israel. Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Verse 11, Judah hath dealt treacherously and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem for Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord. Now here these people were, be, were to be the gatekeepers of righteousness, truth, and holiness and they profaned it. Profane means to be outside the temple. It's not within the realm of God's uh, uh, holiness. And he said, they profaned it. They took the temple. And what did Jesus do when he came into the temple? They were trading. They, made, they turned into house then of thieves. They had profaned the temple. They were doing, they, they were, they were being super hypocrites, hiding all their sin under the cover of going to church. Right. And boy, if you want to get God's wrath, just let a nation start doing that. And that's exactly where we're at now. And using church as a cover. And right. I'm a Christian. And, and doing all these things and using it for a cloak, he said, your, 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 your whited sepulchers, which is a, a, a grave full of dead men's bones. There's no reality to you. There's no life in your spiritual profession. And so he says here, verse number 12, he said, which he loved, hath married the daughter of a strange God. Verse 12, the Lord will cut off the man that doeth this. The master, here it is. And the what? Scholar. Scholar. Scholars will get you in trouble. Out of the tabernacles of Jacob and him that offer an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have you done again. Everybody, everybody watch this. Everybody watch this. And this have you done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with crying out insomuch he regardeth not the offering anymore or receiveth it with goodwill at your hand. He said, you came up to church and you snot and blew all over the altar and you cried and you were so, so uh, you, your sin had brought you so much trouble and you were putting on a religious show. Right. You know the song says, could my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no languor know? Thou must save and thou alone. God says, you're crying isn't doing anything. You're not living right, but you're suffering the consequences of your wrongdoing. You, you're, 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 you're repentant of the consequences of sin, not the sin itself. Right. And this goes on everywhere too. Right. People, sorry they got caught. Sorry it caught up with them. Sorry they're reaping what they sowed, but they're not sorry that they're sinners. Right. They're just sorry about what's happened to them. So they're weeping and crying and snotting and they're doing this in church. They're putting on a big deal. And I'll tell you what, I hate to say this. this the older I've gotten, the less confidence, you know, I cry. Somebody says, what do you do? I said, I, I rejoice and cry all the time. If I ain't rejoicing, I'm crying. Paul said rejoicing, yet sorrowful, yet rejoicing. That's, that's normal emotion. But to cry and put on a dog show to try to prove your spirituality is sin. Amen. And I've seen people get on the altar and say, <laughs> you know, and you need 42 boxes of tissues to take care of it and walk right out of here and never change. Yeah. And they're only sorry. And they get, this takes you to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 where it gives you the true evidences of repentance. We won't go there tonight. But now everybody stay with me here because I'm headed somewhere. Verse number 14. Yet you say, where with? Wherefore? God says, well, they, they said to God, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What do you mean we're doing all this stuff? Look what he says. Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth against whom thou 
hast dealt treacherously. Yeah. You say, what was going on in Israel? The men had carved out a theology. Yes. The scholars, the scribes and Pharisees. Remember, this is just before, you might have been in the New Testament 400 years later, but this is the culture that they had developed. They had developed a religious system that let them be as immoral as a house cat, cat, alley cat, and still come to church, and everything's good, and everything's fine. And let me tell you what it was. Everything rises and falls on leadership, and the men would be the leaders at home. And the men of Israel did not love their wives because they were, they were men full of lust in their hearts, and... Their spirits were weak and their flesh was strong. And they dealt treacherously and they had walked up and said, till death do us part. Didn't mean anything. They broke their vows, their oaths, and they didn't love their wives. And let me just be honest about America. America is going down because of a lack of biblical manhood in America. Men who will not do what they said they would do. Protect her, provide for her, and love her till death do impart. Let's just go a little deeper on this. These Yahoos got to be up about 40 and 50 years old, and their wife wasn't as sweet as them, as far as they're concerned. They, you know, she's old stuff. Yeah. Younger woman comes up on the scene. Why do you think the world constantly bombards you with young women naked and sensual? Because the world knows, Satan knows, that men, as they get older, if they're not in, in controlled by the Holy Ghost of God and the Word of God, will have an aptitude to start shoving their wife aside and looking at younger women. Yeah. These people had carved out a theology yeah. that permitted it. Yeah. And God said, it's an abomination. Yeah. And God said, I won't tell you why I'm punishing you. Because you men have dealt treacherously against the wife of your youth. You said you'd be faithful to her, that you'd love her till death do you part, and you lied like a dog. You're a worthless hypocrite, and I'm not putting up with you. Verse 14, but you say, wherefore? And he said, because the Lord has been witness between thee. You know who's the real witness at your wedding? The Lord. I do not blame the women of America for their attitude about men. I don't. They've been treated like trash for the last 60, 70 years. Ever since Hollywood began to use them and tell them that you're of no value unless your body's perfect. Unless you're beautiful like our ladies, the women we put on the screen. You have no value. Oh, you're just domestic. The whole world's telling their women and the men in charge saying, you got to be a sensual alley cat or we have no interest in you. You're not of value. And our boys grow up with that mindset. And it has train wrecked our women. There's just so many things right here. I just, it breaks my heart. It, it, it's just, it just deeply, as wicked as sorry as I am, it makes me mad to see the world that these young girls are growing up in 
and how they're being lied to about who they are and what they're supposed to look like and what they're supposed to act like and what they're supposed to be. And all it does is create almost a hatred for themselves. I will never be. And it creates a, well, I'll just throw myself to the world and hope they all like me. And it's just tragic. And this is what this caused because of men not being biblical men that they ought to be. You say, Reggie, I thought we was preaching on Joseph. I am. Hang on. Because he's your example. He said, the wife of thy youth against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. Now watch this. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit. Now listen to me, folks. Listen, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get off. But you listen to me tonight with all of your heart. Marriage, intimacy is not just physical. It is spiritual. Amen. And until people know this, by the way, I'm going to come in. One of the reasons I think the Lord led me tonight to not preach on Satan's deal because there is a specific place in the New Testament where Satan comes directly into your marriage and an avenue where he comes straight into your marriage to bust your marriage up. And I'll talk about that next Sunday morning, Lord willing. He's not playing games with us. Right. Now, here, marriage is a spiritual thing. It's a union that God does and the Holy Spirit is within it. And I'm going to say something to you. The fact of it is that where does, where does this power, watch, watch this, where does this power come from that creates a child? There's not a doctor or a scientist on the face of this globe that's ever lived or ever will live that can explain life. Life comes from God. Marital intimacy is a spiritual aspect. And if couples would realize that, things would be better. And he said, watch, watch this. Yet hath he the residue of the spirit and wherefore one? Why did God make them one? That he might seek a godly seed. So why is Satan messing up marriage? Right. Right. Therefore, do what? Take heed to your spirit. And let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. This man, I don't know about you, but I just feel like I'm under the shadow of the Almighty right now. And this is stuff that people aren't talking about. They're not studying. They're not reading. It's not discussed. Now, let's go back to Joseph in Matthew. Now, flip right over there to Matthew chapter one, and let's see what happens. Now, take all of this into consideration. I know Jesus wasn't out there ministering what he said at this time, but all this stuff in the past, Joseph knew about. Okay, so we're we're back now in in chapter uh, one and verse number eighteen. 
And so let's just look at a few things. Now the birth of Jesus Christ on this wise when his mother Mary was spouse to Joseph before they came together he's found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Now just, I'm just going to point out some things to you tonight and we'll go home. Number one, God called this baby who had just been conceived a child. Not a fetus. A child. And I'm going to let the Bible determine what's a child. God says, teaches, and Psalms 139 already teaches that the moment of conception, it is a human being. Amen. We don't need, we don't need nobody telling us about that. We've got the truth about it. With child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, and I don't know how long afterward, I don't know how he found out about it, but he found out about it. And again, I ask this question to you, young men. What if you were engaged or espoused to this girl and you found out and you expected, you know, and, and understood that she was a virgin and all of a sudden you hear, whichever way it might have came, that she's expecting. What are you going to do? Well, I'm glad to tell you tonight that this man, Joseph, was very biblical in his thinking and in his action. His first thought was revealed is Deuteronomy 22, tw- the verses we read. He knows what the Bible says he can do. He could, watch this, man, this is good. He could have taken, had Mary taken, he could have went to her parents and said, deal's off, and I'm accusing your daughter of fornication, and I want the evidence at the city, at the, at the gate of the city or I'm not going through with this deal. Drag her out there. Make a public spectacle out of her. We'll teach these girls a lesson in this county. There's so much to glean from this. God would rather give mercy than justice. And Joseph knew that. I'll tell you something further. If you want to know how much he loved her, He thought to put her away. He said, I'm going to have to put her away. I'm, not, I'm going to have to discontinue this engagement. But I'm not dragging her out in front of everybody. Get this. And before you want to drag somebody out that's got themselves in what you think, and may not know what you think is trouble. Watch this. Jesus said one of the first things come out of his mouth in his first message was, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And I want to tell you how I know Joseph loved Mary. As far as he knew, she had been lying to him. She was immoral. She was a fake. She was a phony as far as he knew. But he still didn't want to hurt her. And he thought to put her away privately. I'm talking about love. Now you listen to me. Because of that love, he was able to think. He was able to think logically and biblically about what to do with this situation in my life. Man, this thing is so deep. I'm telling you, this afternoon while I poured over this, I just, I sit there in my chair and I just like the Lord just said, Reggie, there's just thing after thing after thing after thing that you can learn from this man. Reggie, you are not Joseph. You are not the man Joseph was. 
Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Now, why would the angel say, don't be afraid to do that? I want you to say, think with me this. If you were Joseph and you had your buddies and a few days go by and you see your buddies again and they say, Joseph, what are you going to do with Mary? I'm going to marry her. You're what? Yeah. You're going to marry her. She's been lying to you all along. You're marrying a mess. Joseph, you're going to marry a woman who's got a child by another guy? Joseph, fear not. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. And I'm going to tell you something right here. It's very powerful. It's trust the Lord. Trust Him when you don't understand it. Amen. Trust Him when you don't see it. Amen. But trust what He tells you to do. Amen. And don't be afraid of what other people's going to think and what other people's going to say. Amen. Do what God tells you to do. Amen. I don't know how many people knew the real truth about it. As far as I know, Mary and Elizabeth and, and uh, her husband. Bible doesn't say anybody else knew what was going on except those three people. And a lot of times there's things going on. Amen. You and I think we know. We don't know at all. Right. Amen. And all that he had to go by was his sight or spirit. Yeah. Amen. And he made a choice. So you know what? I'm going to do what God said to do. Amen. And when I think about how he must have loved her, it just, it bothers me because I don't know that I know that kind of love. I seriously doubt that I would have been the man he was. We ain't even, we're not even started on him. He's, he's going to show you what a man is. So God tells him. Now, he goes ahead and says, verse 21, the angel told him, she shall bring forth a son. Now, this is important. Because I want you to think with me. Here's Joseph, an Israelite, a devout Israelite, who in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation was living for God and was listening to the word of God and knew the word of God. So all of a sudden, he's being told his wife is going to conceive a child by the Holy Ghost. His, his virgin wife is going to conceive a child by the Holy Ghost. And that child's going to be a son. Does anybody know what would have went through his mind as he thought on these things? The Bible went through his mind in Isaiah. A virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, not a daughter, a son. Do you know what he was hearing? Watch this. Please get this. He wasn't just arbitrarily said, oh, I had an angel come visit me. And I believe everything they said was what the angel said, matching the prophecies. That's the key here. Was what the angel said, matching the Bible. And you know what Joseph was able to do? Because he knew the Bible, he was able to have assurance by faith. Amen. By faith 
that God was in charge. I appreciate y'all being patient with me tonight. I hope, hope I'm not wasting your time, but my heart's into this. Amen. And he tells him, he shall bring forth the son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he knew about the prophecy of this virgin born son from Isaiah who would come to save his people from their sins. So he's getting biblical confirmation from God that it's all right. Now watch the next thing. Now this was all done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin, shall, here it is. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This man believed, watch this. He is before the birth of Christ. He is before the cross. He believes the Messiah would come and has faith in him. Just like you're on this side of the cross, you believe that he did come. This man had great faith to believe that what the Bible said, that this Messiah would come. And, th- and he believed now, and by the angel confirming what the scripture prophesied, he believes God against all odds. Now, verse number 24, then Joseph being raised from sleep did, underline that in your Bible. He didn't just hear it, right. he obeyed. Right. Now you say, what did he do? As the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Now, girls, how'd you like to explain to Joseph what's going on? You talk about a couple that was trusting God. It's no wonder God chose them to bring the, the Messiah in the world. These people had faith, but their faith came by hearing and by the word of God. Now, I want to show you something here. Very, very powerful. Verse 25, and knew her not. To know your wife in the Bible is a term of intimacy. Okay? You can go back to the Old Testament. He knew his wife and she had a child. He knew knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Here was the secret to Joseph's life. You have a body. I'm actually doing it backwards. You have a soul. And you have a spirit. Here was Joseph. Here's why Joseph was a biblical man with biblical manhood. His spirit was his strongest aspect. His soul was the second strongest aspect. And his body was under subjection to his spirit. And the Apostle Paul said, I bring my body under subjection, lest while I have preached to others, I myself become a castaway. This is the secret to biblical manhood. By the way, it is totally opposite of what the world says manhood is. If you can't rule your if your spirit, which is as a Christian man, should be control, you know, have the power of the Holy Spirit within you, cannot rule your flesh, you're a wimp. That's right. And I'm a wimp. Amen. If you can't, this is the thing that blows me away about this guy. He married her and never had relations with her till after she gave birth. 
The old timers used to say, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Why? He was guarding, he was guarding the character, not that he's, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, by his spirit ruling us, he was guarding the biblical truth of the virgin birth that it would not be marred in any way, even though had it, it still wouldn't have marred it. But he was guarding that and God, he was obeying the Lord and he, he was strong in spirit and it controlled his flesh. And when you and I, this is why Joseph to me is one of the greatest men in the Bible. David wasn't as great as he is. You know how I know? Because David couldn't control his body. Samson was weaker than Joseph. You know how I know? Because he couldn't control his body. The old timers used to say, boys, you got enough blood to control your brain or your body, but not both. <laughs> now, it's kind of straight talking to you now, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm telling you the truth and you need it. We all need it. And we're a Christian Bible believing church. And I don't know why this came up on Christmas night, but this is how what the Lord gave me to preach. Joseph's a great man. And you talk about a protector. Took them down to Egypt. Just like God told him to do. Done what God said to do. And I will tell you girls something. You'd do well to go home tonight and get on your knees and say, Oh God, give me a Joseph. <laughs> oh God, give me a Joseph. I, I'm just, just going to be honest with you. I feel like, you know, I, I thought, man, life, why didn't I hear stuff like this when I was you know, younger? Why didn't I hear stuff like this? Well, you know, I don't know if it had done me any good or not, but I might have. I might have had a little bit of respect toward it. I don't know. But when I grew up, I never heard this stuff. I never. I'm just honest with you. And you know what my concept of manhood was? It was worldly concept. Chase the girls, chase the girls, chase the girls, chase the girls. Absolutely no thought of any self-control, of any spiritual strength to dominate your flesh. And I'll be honest with you. We sow to the flesh. We're going to reap corruption. Yeah. Amen. And that's why America is full of corruption. It's because we've sown to the flesh. That's right. I hope this will be a help to you tonight. I hope you'll appreciate Joseph. You know, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about him, really, honestly. And, you know, and Joseph's always over here in the corner somewhere, you know. He's kind of like, oh, we've got to have a Joseph in the play. He stands over and says nothing. He's been made out to be this little man wimp. That's, you know, he's just, you know, he's... Have you ever noticed in all the advertisements, all the programs, anything, anything that's been for the last 30 years in America, the man, he's kind of stupid. He's either dumb, don't know what's going on around him, or he's foolish and stupid. And it's an attack upon biblical manhood. This man was wise. He was loving. He was kind. And I wrote this down before I come to church. He was a man whose spirit was stronger than his flesh, whose love was stronger than lust, and whose devotion to God and his wife and truth was stronger than his desires. If you and I could be that, we'd be a Joseph and we'd be a great man. Let's stand together.